This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. And I'm Scott Jason with Fog.net. This is a replay of WIBW's TV show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Good evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by FlintHillsAuto.com. I am Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. And Scott Chasen joins us tonight on the phone from Philadelphia. He stayed out there after covering Kansas's loss to Villanova. And, of course, Scott is from Fog.net. You can interact with us on social media at Facebook.com slash The Drive Show, on Twitter at The Drive 13, and, of course, answer our weekly poll question and make your game predictions over at thedriveshow.com. And remember, if you ever miss an episode of The Drive, you can listen to an audio-only version that will appear each Monday morning in the form of a podcast at both gopowercat.com and fog.net. And we start things off with our two-minute drill. And the two-minute drill is sponsored by Hula Hands. They've been expecting you. Now, let's eat. It's Kansas State lost to St. Louis 66-63 on Saturday night to drop to 6-5 and five on the season. What can Bruce Weber do at this point to save his team's season? It's the wall right now. Kansas State did not play horribly against St. Louis. They just didn't play a complete game. And the big problem here isn't that there's so many newcomers, and we've been saying this. The problem is the veterans aren't playing up to the level they need to play at. Uh, Cartier Jada was dreadful. David Sloan came on and played quite a bit at point guard for the Cats, and they were better when he was on the floor. Xavier Sneed was okay. Mikhail Moeen was non-functional as a player in most of this game. It was a strange, strange night for the Wildcats. They could never really get it going, uh, but they, uh, they kept hanging around. But as this team has shown throughout the season, they could not close. They won one game at UNLV down the stretch, uh, but ever since then, they have not been a good closing team in the final minutes. And St. Louis made all the plays that they needed to make to win this game. It was a very, very frustrating night for uh, the listed attendance of about 11,500 at Sprint Center as K-State dropped to 6-5. and five. What can they do to save this season? Well, I, I truly believe at this point Bruce Weber needs to wipe the slate clean. What, everything he thought he knew about his team coming into the season, lose it and go with the guys that are going to play the best, play the hardest, be the most convicted to winning, even if there are a bunch of newcomers. Uh, and I tell you what, Levi Stockard had his best game of, the, of his career at Kansas State. It looked like the light had finally come on for Levi. So it's very promising that uh, there's some bright spots on this team. Why don't you feed those bright spots and really uh, try to see what you can do with this season. It's going to be a long season, no doubt about it and just move on from there. Well, Devon Dotson had a chance to beat Villanova at the buzzer Saturday, but he missed, and KU dropped its second game of the season. Scott, what did you see at the end in Philly? 
yeah, I, I thought it was a really rough game for Devon Dotson uh, down the stretch. I mean, he made a number of mistakes. He missed the front end of a one and one uh, He allowed the ball to be poked away from him. I think he had the ball up four with like a minute and a half or so to go, and yeah, he just lets the ball get poked away from him. He, uh, he obviously missed that shot, but, you know, that was a tough look, so, you know, that wasn't necessarily all on him, and you know, beyond that, he also missed uh, David McCormick kind of wide open, rolling to the basket. He passed it to Tristan Anaruna, who wasn't able to make the pass, I guess, with the right angle to get him an easy dunk. I, I thought Devon Dotson, uh, just down the stretch, made a lot of mistakes and, and made a lot of plays that, uh, you know, kept Kansas from being able to have a chance to win a game on a, a day that they didn't play that well. Now, Isaiah Moss contributed just about nothing. He didn't uh, score a point. He didn't have an assist. He didn't have a rebound. He didn't have a steal, and he didn't have a block uh, in 15 minutes, which is, uh, you know, I would almost say it's hard to do those things. You got good production out of your freshmen, Christian Brown and Tristan Anaruna. Brown blocked Jeremiah Robinson Earl and scored at the other end to put KU up four uh, with less than two minutes to go, and Anaruna contributed. He forced two held balls. He knocked down a three-point shot. He blocked the three-point shot. So I thought you got good production out of him, but uh, really it was the veteran play of Dotson, I think, that really did let them down. I mean, even on that go-ahead, that game-winning three-point shot, you know, it was Dotson who sagged off his man, the Villanova player, to kind of help uh, Tristan Anaruna, who was actually in fairly good position, and KU was up too, so I don't think you'd be worrying uh, I don't think you'd be worried about giving up a, a two-point shot in that situation anyway. Worst-case scenario, you know, you go down, you have the last shot, a chance to win the game, then a chance to win uh, in overtime if you don't get that. So uh, ultimately, you know, KU was in position to win the game. I actually thought they played pretty well. Uh, certainly defensively, maybe not so much offensively, where the ball just kind of bounced the other way. But uh, I think they're disappointed not to get the win there. Scott, I really thought that, KU would pull this game out, but uh, they just didn't make the plays down the stretch, and it really uh, was unfortunate to see Dotson be the guy that didn't make the plays because he was so good for the rest of the game. Let's do our next topic now, buddy. Oklahoma is nearly a two-touchdown underdog in its college football playoff game with LSU at the Peach Bowl, and I think that's probably right. How can the Sooners shock the college football world by knocking off number one? seems to have this game over. I mean, it just seems like everyone's considering this game in the bag for LSU and, you know, and let's be honest here, there are three really good teams in college football this year, and then there was a group of everyone else, and Oklahoma came out on top of everyone else and got into the four-team playoff. Uh, look, Oklahoma can only look to its past to find a way to do this because in 2003, Kansas State was given no chance against Oklahoma and went into the Big 12 championship and executed everything it needed to do to win the game and, and pull off what was a shocking upset. I don't think Oklahoma is going to win this game, but I won't be stunned if they do. This is a pretty good Oklahoma team. Uh, they have playmakers, and the real key for Oklahoma here is Jalen Hurts can't be turning the ball over. He's been turning it over, throwing the ball uh, in, into bad situations. He's fumbled at the goal line a few times. He just can't get into the turnovers because he instantly adds fuel to the fire for the opponent. Uh, I think Baylor was a really good team, and, and uh, Hurts uh, was good enough to overcome Baylor both times, and this Oklahoma team is a good enough team uh, I will be intrigued to see how Oklahoma handles Joe Burrows and the Heisman Trophy winner and that LSU offense. 
but they do also see a lot of these type of offenses in the Big 12. They're familiar with these offenses in the Big 12. So a team that wants to throw it all over the field, well, they've been through that before, and it's going to be very intriguing to me to see if Oklahoma can match up, not let Burrow get into a really comfortable uh, groove with himself. Uh, but mostly, Oklahoma's just got to rise up, and they're capable of playing better football than they've played in some games this season. Uh, I, I'm not, like I said, I don't think they're going to win, but boy, I, I'm intrigued to see how they can uh, make this game close and competitive. Now, a quick look at your poll question results. And poll questions are brought to you by Filament 11, your go fast, look good, play hard custom shop. Last week's question was this, did eight and four Kansas State deserve a, a better bowl than the Liberty Bowl against Navy? Uh, and 70% of you said yes, and B, 20% said no, and C, picked the third answer. 10% uh, of you picked the third answer, which meant nothing. So I appreciate you voting for the third answer because I like the third answer. Now let's take a look at this week's question. New poll, how many games will K-State win during its 18-game Big 12 schedule? Double round robin, you play everyone in the league twice. How many games will Kansas State win? Option A, 10 or more. B, 8 or 9, going about 500. C, 6 or 7. D, 4 or 5. E, 3 or fewer. Remember to vote at thedriveshow.com. And that will do it for this half of the two-minute drill, but we will be right back with more on KU and K-State on The Drive. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to The Drive as we continue our weekly two-minute drill. The two-minute drill is sponsored by Hands. They've been expecting you. Now, let's eat. K-State football coach Chris Clemens signed his first full class of recruits at K-State. We'll talk about KU's class in a little bit, but Fitz, what were the highlights of this group? First group, and, uh, you know, this is his first full recruiting class. Uh, last year's class was a lot of recruiting inherited from the previous staff that he stuck with. And, uh, you know, when you stop and think about what they got out of last year's class, they had a lot of guys that contributed, most notably is Josh Youngblood, who is uh, basically an All-American kick returner as a true freshman for Kansas State. Very impressive. They've got some good help out of the recruiting class last year. And this class is very intriguing because this is really going to be a foundation class for many years to come for Kansas State. Uh, my favorites in this class, Jay Harris is the top-rated uh, recruit in this class out of Shadow Creek, a linebacker in the Houston area, and uh, he was named the defensive player of the uh, game in the state title game as Shadow Creek won the 5A state title in Texas. My absolute favorite, though, is Nate Matlack, a defensive end out of Olathe East. Uh, I'm telling you what, I, I'm singing this guy's praises in every place I can. Uh, he's a big, strong, fast, long 
a disruptive guy. He played linebacker in high school and will move to defensive end at Kansas State. And I think he will play immediately uh, as a true freshman and, <clears throat> and really have an impact. He's, he's uh, a man amongst boys when you watch his film and how he's only three stars really kind of stuns me. They got their cute quarterback of the future too and Will Howard out of Pennsylvania. Uh, really fits the mold of quarterback that Chris Kleiman and Courtney Messingham, the offensive coordinator, want to have at Kansas State. And it's going to be fun to watch him play as he'll redshirt next year in all likelihood uh, and then take over for Skylar Thompson, possibly, as a redshirt freshman in 2021. And uh, they signed five guys out of the junior college ranks, which might be a little heavier in the JUCO ranks that Chris Kleiman really wants to do. He's got an offensive lineman and then four guys on the defensive side of the ball that can come in and help immediately. And my favorite is Robert Hintz, a defensive tackle out of Northwest Missouri, Mississippi State, excuse me, uh, that legendary program down there. And he is a beast. He's going to remind K-State fans maybe a little bit of Tank Reese if you want to go back in the history books a little bit and think of that. It's a good class. It's a foundation class. It's what K-State needed. And I think they did a really good job pulling everything together in this class. Well, David McCormick had 28 points last week against UMKC, but seemed to have some issues against Villanova. Scott, four guards or two bigs? Which way should KU go? Yeah, David McCormick was so good against Kansas City. That 28-point that outing where, you know, really everything was working and he didn't even play, you know, barely down the end. I, I don't know. I don't think he had 20 minutes in that game. And, uh, obviously, it was a little bit different this time. He was only 3-7 from the field. He did grab six or seven boards. But, you know, at the same time, KU was outscored, actually, by uh, 10 points when McCormick was on the court, which, you know, that's not all his fault, but I think that's a function of KU playing too big, uh, going to those two big lineups for someone like Marcus Garrett, who, you know, barely played because of the injury. And, uh, you know, in his 13 minutes, KU outscored Villanova by, I think, seven points. So uh, those are kind of your two ends of the spectrum on that plus-minus stat, which, again, isn't really the best stat to determine individual performance, but I think it can largely be indicative of, of these kind of bigger trends and areas. Uh, KU with two bigs in the game, we've seen what it can do. We've seen that the Jayhawks can score inside. If Yudoka Azubuki has everything working, if the passes are crisp to the big men, uh, and maybe if KU isn't forcing it at times, like seemed like they were for a little bit of the Villanova game, seemed like they really wanted to go at Jeremiah Robinson Earl one time. Uh, KU recruits seemed like they really liked that matchup with Doak on him on the offensive end uh, where Doak could potentially score past him. Uh, you know, I, I think we've seen what those two big lineups can look like and, and what they can do and how they can be good. But uh, there are obvious advantages to the four guard looks for KU. You get more shooting on the court. You get more versatility, especially defensively. Uh, you get more floor spacing. You get more passing. You get more movement. And yeah, I know it all sounds better and everything I just listed. Well, hey, why wouldn't you play that way? Well, the point of the game still is to have your best five on the court. And on days when, you know, Isaiah Moss isn't really contributing anything, like obviously was the big issue in this last game, on days when you don't have Marcus Garrett, maybe your best players are going to come from those big men spots. So I, I can certainly see the arguments both ways. I do think KU's been better with four guards early. Very good. And now we step out of bounds. And this is our last show of the year. And Christmas is coming up quickly. Being the season of giving, what gifts would we give the teams that we cover? Scott, take it away. You know, it, it could really go either way. Uh, you could say something like three-point shooting for KU or bringing back a, you know, a, a do-it-all four-man. But just looking at this team that 
uh, KU has right now, I, I really think just the health of Marcus Garrett is so paramount. Now, Bill Self's initial reaction uh, to Garrett going down with an ankle injury after the Villanova game, he said uh, he didn't anticipate it being ser- as serious as the injury that held Garrett out for five games uh, and, and really hindered him for the rest of the season last year. He didn't think it was anything like that. Uh, but but you look at it and you see that if Garrett were to sit out, I think the next 16 or so days from this point, the Jayhawks would only play two games. So you never there's never a good time for an injury, but if there had to be, this is a time when the schedule really loosens up uh, and you can kind of relax, ease, get guys back. If Isaiah Moss isn't fully healthy, get him back too. So I think that's the biggest thing for KU this holiday season. If you want to write Bill Self a Christmas card and, and give him a gift, I think it would be just the health of everyone going into uh, the second stretch of the season. Well, I guess when it comes to K-State, I would have maybe two gifts for Bruce Weber. One is the courage just to play the guys that he needs to play. And uh, he's a very loyal, loyal coach. That's why the players love him so much. And he might stick with guys longer than he should. Uh, he needs to just put the guys out there who are going to perform the best and not worry about time of service. Those veterans, if they're not playing well, that shouldn't be on the court. And we saw a little bit of that in Kansas City against St. Louis. But mostly what I want to give Bruce Weber is patience from the fans. Uh, this is going to be a rough season, and I, I've been saying as we all along that they at best were a bubble team in the NCAA tournament. Well, that seems to be way up to, too optimistic. Maybe they turn the corner in the Big 12, maybe they don't, <clears throat> but uh, understand that this team is loaded with some young players, that this team is really about the future, and I think uh, the future is bright for K-State basketball. It's just going to be a long season, and I hope the pe- fans are pretty patient with Coach Weber and the team. Now let's hear from the fans. <clears throat> Speaking of K-State basketball, our fan question this week is uh, from uh, Riley and Bloyd, which is my employee. I made this question up. Fits all lavender uniforms, yay or nay? Now, so you saw the all lavenders in the in the highlights earlier in, in the show, and, and I gotta tell you, I like them, but I don't like them. How's that for covering my bases? Kansas State used the traditional lavender over purple shorts last year. It's, it's a classic uniform that they brought back, a throwback. But the problem is you have to get permission to wear a two-tone jersey every time you wear it from the NCAA, and you can't wear it at all in the postseason. So they went to this alternate of all lavenders. I like them better than the gray uniforms that they're kind of replacing, uh, but I do like the two-tone better. But it's, so it's going to be that. It's just going to be lavender uniforms. But I appreciate the tip of the cap to the past. So remember to ask us your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. And when we return, we will look at our predictions here on The Drive. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, 
Welcome back as we head down the home stretch of this week's show. And now it's time to look at our predictions. The predictions are brought to you by Vanderbilt's your work boot center. And remember to make your weekly predictions over at the drive show. Com. And, of course, we're going to start off by looking at last week's results. Unfortunately for me, I'm back to being bad. I went 1-2, and two, and the fans and Scott both went 2-1. and one, But right now the fans are holding a nice two-game lead over Mr. Chasen. A lot, lot to happen in the upcoming year, though. Now let's get to this week's predictions. And we're going to start off with uh, – we're doing bowls in this, this week's show because this is our last show of the year. And we're going to start off with the Camping World Bowl where Notre Dame is a three-and-a-half-point favorite over Iowa State. Will the Irish win by four or more? I say yes. I think Notre Dame uh, is going to be a much better team than Iowa State, which I don't think is very good this year. They've hung around in games, but uh, they have not won as many games as you would have thought. Uh, Scott is going to take Iowa State, though. He's going underdog city all week long here. Uh, and the next game is Navy, of course, playing Kansas State in the Liberty Bowl. And Navy is now a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Interesting enough, K-State opened as an initial favorite in this game. The money quickly swung Navy to being a favorite. Uh, I think K-State wins this game outright. Scott agrees. Uh, and I, I think uh, having enough time to prepare for that Navy offense will be uh, a blessing for Kansas State as they will see a lot of running game in the Liberty Bowl in Memphis, and I will be there to cover it for GoPowerCat.com. Our last game of the week is the big one for the Big 12. It's LSU and Oklahoma. LSU is a whopping 13-and-a-half-point favorite. So will the Tigers beat Oklahoma by 14 or more? I say no. I said just changed my mind. And Scott also says no. I think this is going to be a much closer game than people think. And Oklahoma will keep it under, uh, although they'll lose, they'll keep it under two touchdowns. Again, make your picks over at thedriveshow.com. And now it's time for our On the Clock segment. On the Clock is sponsored by Carpet One, by local for a strong local community. And we start off with Mr. Scott chasing the fog.net from Philadelphia. Signing day was uh, just this last week, and or the early signing period, which uh, opened up, and the Jayhawks took about 20 names. I thought it was interesting they went, uh, you know, so heavily into that early signing period. But I think a lot of teams are doing that around the nation. The one thing KU really didn't go out there and get was, uh, aside from a little bit of defensive line help, was a quarterback who can step in and start right away. And if they're going to do that, uh, then I think the transfer route is still probably the number one option, especially a guy like Felipe Franks, uh, who was actually on campus for a visit, the former Florida quarterback. But no, Kansas added some uh, great talent at you know, cornerback at wide receiver, which are two pretty important positions, added three O-linemen. It wouldn't shock me if they went out and took a fourth, uh, either a tackle or a guard, and they were able to flip a quarterback. So it uh, wasn't perfect. They had a Kansas City area running back uh, who's no longer in the class. He said that was KU's decision, had a three-star edge rusher flip to TCU on signing day. But uh, no, I think the signing day actually went pretty well for KU. It's interesting. KU actually ended up Eighth in the Big 12, K-State was ninth, but I think both programs really helped themselves in, on uh, signing day. It's, it's very intriguing what KU did and took all high school players, too. 
Well, I'm going to talk about basketball a little bit more. We all knew this was going to be a season that needed some patience. Some people thought K-State would just return to the NCAA tournament because Bruce Weber does that with his teams. Uh, I saw some trouble on the horizon. I did not foresee this much trouble for Weber's Wildcats. But it is what it is. Would I prefer a program that didn't have to rebuild its roster every three or four years to kind of load up for another run in on down the road as they slowly build up and then in year four make a breakthrough and, and win a Big 12 title? I'd prefer a little more <clears throat> steady performance out of K-State basketball, but that's just how Weber's operating the program and I think you'll have these Wildcats back in contention in the Big 12 within a couple of years. It's going to take some patience from the fans as I mentioned earlier in the show and I think Bruce Weber is the guy to get it done. Uh, I've had my issues all along with Bruce but I think he's a very steady hand at the wheel. Well that's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We'll see you right here in the new year and all week on social media. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.